0: Hey, this is Pastor Jeff Workmeister of Elevate Church and welcome to our podcast. I wanna thank you for listening today. I hope this inspires you, encourages you, and builds your faith. Enjoy the podcast. Uh, If you're taking notes, uh, entitle it today, Jesus is Enough. And um, if you have a Bible, you can try your best. I'm, I'm gonna be all over Uh, The Bible today. We'll have it on the screen for you. Um, But I love when people bring their Bibles. I love that you have your Bible. I love it. It, That makes me so happy. Listen, your Bible is so important. The Word of God is so important to you. And so, so glad to see it. Um, Romans chapter 5, verse 12, it says this. When Adam sinned, and entered the world, it affected the world. Sin entered the human experience, and death was the result. And so death followed sin, casting a shadow over all humanity, because all have sinned. Um, I came in here yesterday fully prepared to put together a different message, and I got in here and the Lord said, I got something different. And I just followed the Spirit yesterday and, and to be honest, I'm gonna talk to you today about a topic that is just not a fun topic to talk about. We're gonna talk about sin and how sin affects our lives and how sin can control our lives. But, but we're also gonna talk about Jesus the answer, the one who has come to save us and to free us from the power of sin and death, amen? And so I'm gonna tell you, please, please, Just press in today, follow me. I'm gonna tell you right now, the, the beginning, it's gonna be a bit bumpy. You're gonna feel like the Lord is stepping on your toes. It's okay, I promise you. The grace of God will be there and he'll heal and restore at the end, amen? Amen? Okay, let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We value the word of God. It's the hope of the world. It's the hope of our lives, Jesus so we value what you have to say today. Holy Spirit, come. I can feel your presence right now. I ask you to come and fill this place with your glory, giving us heavenly thoughts and heavenly wisdom and understanding today. We love you. We thank you for today. In Jesus' mighty, powerful, amazing name. Amen, amen, amen. Give it up for the worship team this morning. Come on. Okay, write this down if you're taking notes, write this down. Sin always leads to death. Sin always leads to death. Don't be misled, don't be tricked. Sin never leads to victory in your life. Sin will always lead to death. Now here's the question, what is sin? Well, we need to look at the Bible. We need to allow the Bible to tell us Biblically, what is sin? So I picked, there's lots of passages in the Word, but I picked a couple. Galatians chapter five, verse 19, it says this, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, because here's what you still have. You still have flesh. Even though you are a child of God, even though you've been purchased by the blood of Jesus, you still have this thing called flesh. Meaning what? Your spirit and your flesh are warring against each other constantly, okay? You have flesh, and it says this, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear, sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambitions, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, other sins like this. Second Timothy chapter three puts it this way. It says, for people will love themselves and their money. They will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents. They will be ungrateful. Isn't that interesting that ungrateful is a sin to the Lord? It says this, they will consider nothing sacred. They will be loving, uh, they will be unloving and unforgiving. They will slander others and have no self-control. They will be cruel, hate what is good. They will betray their friends, be reckless, puffed up with pride, and love pleasure rather than God. Verse five, I love how the Lord puts it this way. Sin can be this way. They will act religious. Did you get that? They'll act religious. The act of going to church doesn't save your soul, amen? That, that it, it doesn't make you, if you went to, to McDonald's, going to McDonald's doesn't make you a hamburger, okay? Right? Going to church does not make you a Jesus follower, okay? The act of being religious, but they rejected the power. Right? There's a move, there, there has been, and, I, and I, can I just speak to this for a second? I believe there's a new move happening in the earth that the church goes, no, we want the power. We're not gonna reject the power anymore. We're not gonna gonna reject the things of God. We're not gonna reject the prophetic. We're not gonna reject when God heals and he moves. And you see that happening in our church because we want this, okay? We don't want to reject the power. We need the power, amen? Okay, it says they rejected them, rejected the power that could have made them godly. Let me add to this about sin. What is sin? Sin is any time the Holy Spirit tells you no, but you go, no, 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 I know better. Any time the Holy Spirit tells you, hey, um, don't talk to that woman, man. There's been many times that I've walked up to a certain woman and the Holy Spirit goes, do not talk to her. Amen? There's times where the Holy Spirit will go, don't go with him to lunch. There's times the Holy Spirit will say, I need you to honor your spouse even though you don't feel like it. There's times where the Lord will go, I need you to give grace even though they don't deserve grace. I need you to take the high road. There's times the Holy Spirit will go, I need you to trust me over yourself in this moment. At any time that we tell the Holy Spirit no, It's a moment that we've allowed sin to come into our life. So today, I want to help us understand truly how sin works. We got to get it. We got to understand it. So point number one today is this. Sin tricks you, okay? Sin tricks you. Has anybody ever been tricked or catfished before? Anybody in the house, okay, all right? So years ago, I was working at Valley Family Church in Michigan, and we had this thing called the emergency phone. Um, how, do, how many of you remember the old, like Motorola, like flip phones? Okay, it was just a basic like flip phone, and uh, and I would have the emergency phone probably every five weeks or so. And your job, regardless day or night, if that phone rings, you answer that phone. You stop your life. You are there to provide help to the church. And so I had the emergency phone and I was driving down the road and it started to ring and so I saw, I think it was a Dick's Sporting Goods parking lot, I pulled over into Dick's and I answered the phone and on the other end of the phone is this older uh, woman and, and she is crying and she is telling me her story and pouring out her heart and, and I'm doing my best as a young pastor to console her and to love her and to pray with her. And, and so, um, but it was one of these conversations, Have you ever been in a conversation that just never ends? It, this was that. It was a never-ending, like, story of conversation. And just went on and on. And so for about an hour, I'm listening to the story. I'm praying multiple times. And finally, I end the call. And I'm like, oh, thank you, Jesus. We praise you for your victory right now, okay? And um, so, you know, now I'm about to go on my way. And, like, two minutes later, the phone rings again. And sure enough, it's the same number. And this time, I thought, this is not an emergency. I am not answering this phone in Jesus' name. And so I I ignored the call. And then about a minute later, my personal phone rings. And I'm like, oh, Jesus. And so I answer my personal phone. And it is the same woman on the phone. And I'm thinking, oh, God, how did you get my personal number? How is this happening right now? And then about... Five minutes into the personal conversation, I finally realized that I had been tricked for the last hour by my wife, Jessica Workmeister, had called the emergency phone and made this whole entire story up, talked to me on the phone for an hour, prayed with her multiple times for an hour. She was the deceiver. Give it up for Jessica, Pastor Jessica, everybody, okay? This is why I ignore your calls, okay? (laughs) Let me say this. Sin pretends to be something it is not. Sin pretends to be something that it's not. Let me show you how sin works, Genesis chapter three. This is the beginning of of man and it says in verse two, the woman said to the serpent, who's the serpent? It's the devil, why is the devil there? Because the devil was cast out of heaven and he was in the earth, okay? And the devil is the prince of this earth. He's not the king, he is the prince. And so the woman said to the serpent, we may eat the fruit of the trees in the garden, except the fruit, of the tree which is in the middle of the garden. God said, you shall not eat it nor touch it, otherwise you will die. But the serpent replied to the woman, you certainly will not die. So let me help you with this. The enemy is so good at telling you half-truths. But let me make this abundantly clear. He has one purpose and one goal in mind to destroy your life. And he will search. He will search your life. He will search over and over. He doesn't care how long it takes. He is looking for open doors that you keep open to allow the enemy to come in. And so he tells her a half-truth. What is the half-truth? You won't die. Well, guess what? He really is telling the truth. He knew that she wouldn't Physically die. Now here's the truth. It would have been better. Okay, let me let me say this again. It would have been better for her to physically die than for her to experience what she was about to happen. Because here's what happens she touches it, she eats it, she gives it to Adam, and then what happens? How did they die? They didn't die physically, they died spiritually. Did you see this? Adam and Eve did not know what guilt, shame, or condemnation even was. They didn't understand these words. They didn't have to know these words. They never were exposed to these things. Why? Because God the Father in his goodness would come down Every single evening in the cool of the evening, the creator, the God of the universe would come down and spend the night with them, talk with them, commune with them, be with them. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine just the, um, the small amount of glory that we taste and worship? Very, very small amount of glory because if the glory, if all the glory of God came into this room, we would all die. We would die. But they get to experience, Adam and Eve get to experience the fullness of God, the fullness of his love, the fullness of his grace, the fullness of his power, the fullness of him every single day. But now they are experiencing something far worse than death, separation. And the enemy will trick us. Verse five says this. The enemy says, for God knows on that day when you eat, your eyes will be open that this, you will have what, I love this verbiage right here, a greater awareness. Isn't that what's happening in our culture? Come come alive to a greater perspective, a greater awareness, a greater understanding, a greater way of how mankind can work together and be together. The enemy says this, you will be like God. Knowing the difference between good and evil, that that humans could really understand that. Did you get that? That humans would have the ability to choose what is good and what is evil. It says this, that you'll be like God. And then the woman saw that the food was good. It was delightful when she looked at it. And the tree that she desired was to make her wise and insightful, so she took some, she ate the fruit and she gave it to her husband and he ate it too, okay? I want you to hear the language of the enemy right here. You will be like God. What is he ultimately saying? You don't need God because you are a God. This is what's taught in our universities across America. You don't need God. You have the ability to make your own decision. You have enough wisdom. You have enough thoughts. You have enough. There's enough knowledge in the earth. We live in the greatest time of knowledge in the history of humanity. You can make up your own mind. You can have your own God. You don't have to have one God. You could have multiple gods. You could have multiple paths. You could go multiple ways. You can do whatever your heart feels. Why? Because you are a God. The enemy, he'll trek us. And listen, I know this happens in the world, but it happens here in the church all the time. The Holy Spirit comes, challenges us, and we go, you know what, I'm good. I'm good, I got this. I don't need God. I can make up my own mind. He tricks us to believe what? That the Bible is really just what? good suggestions. These are just good thoughts. So we pick It's so funny, we'll go through the word of God and we'll go, I like this part, but I don't agree with this part, I like this part, I love this part, I love all this about God's grace and his mercy and his love, but I don't love how he challenges me to change some things in my life, I don't like how he talks about finances, I don't like how he deals with marriage, I don't like how he does this, so I'll pick and I'll choose this. Let me be really clear, you either take all of Jesus or none of Jesus. You either take it all, or you let it all go away. This is why the Lord said, I would rather you be hot or cold, not lukewarm. Point number two is this, sin will become your master. First it will trick you, and then it will become your master. Write this down, life is hard when someone or something has power over you that doesn't want the best for you. Life is hard when someone or something has power over you but does not want the best for you. Let me be real clear with you today. The enemy, sin, does not want the best for you the enemy has one goal jesus made it very clear in john 10:10 10, 10. he has one goal to rob steal and cheat your life destroy your life that's his whole soul purpose is to destroy you. Sin will never lead you to victory in life. Sin will never bless your marriage. Sin will never help your children. Sin will never help your finances. Sin will never take you to the top. Sin will destroy your life. It does not want the best for you, I promise you. Romans chapter 1, verse 21. Yes, they knew God. This is interesting. Not talking about people that don't know God. Says, yes, they knew God. They knew God. But they wouldn't worship him as God. Why? Because you're going, I can be my own God. What do I need to worship Jesus for? Why do I need him? I got my own path. I got my own way. I got my own way of doing things. I don't need God says so they, they knew God but they wouldn't worship him or even give him thanks. Can I just be really honest sometimes about worship in here? We stand here like this and we stare. Why? Are we that prideful not to think the God of the universe that he deserves worship and honor and praise just because you don't necessarily like a certain song or the tempo of the song or how it sounds? Amen. That is not not what the church should look like. The church should be a place of honor and praise and worship to the king. It says this, and they began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. As a result, their mind became dark and it became confused, claiming to be wise. Isn't it interesting how everybody claims to be wise and claims to be an expert? Anytime somebody tells you they're an expert, run. I mean it. If somebody says they're an expert in something, run. Promise you. They said, they became utter fools. Instead of worshiping the ever living God, they worship idols to look like people and birds and animals and reptiles. You know what I love about this whole green, you know, initiative in the world? They want to raise uh, birds and animals and the earth above you and God. The enemy is so crafty. He knows what he's doing. Verse 24. So this is what the Bible says. So God abandoned them to do whatever their shame, whatever it was shameful things their hearts desired. As a result, they did vile, degrading things with each other's bodies. See, the Holy Spirit is so good. The Holy Spirit comes and he will challenge you. Amen and it's not to hurt you, the Holy Spirit has never come to me before and said, you are a awful, terrible human being. I am so angry, I am so disappointed, I am so sad that I ever created you, I cannot believe the decisions that you're making, I cannot believe these choices you've made, I am so disgusted with you. That has never happened to me and it will never happen from the Spirit of the Lord. You know where that comes from? It comes from guilt and shame and condemnation, and it comes from the enemy. Make this real clear, you can know these two voices. The Holy Spirit comes with the grace and the love of Jesus and says, hey, I love you, and because I love you this much, I need you to change some behaviors in your life because they're destructive, and they're gonna lead to death. So the Lord will come to you and go, hey, I need you to honor your wife. And you'll go, well, I'm bitter and I'm angry and and she's not doing what I want her to do. And the Lord says, well, I need you to forgive and I need you to honor. And you go, no, no, I don't want to though. And so what happens is you can push the Holy Spirit away and push the Holy Spirit away and push the Holy Spirit away and push the Holy Spirit away all the way to the place where you do what? You grieve the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit goes, fine, do it your way. Do how you see fit. Did you see the language? God abandoned them. Why? Because they said, I can do it better. I don't need you. I don't need your help. I don't need your ways. I don't need your knowledge. I don't need the word of God. I, I can do it better. I can do it better my way. James, Chapter four, verse six says this, but he gives more and more grace. That is what I want. That is what I desire. He gives more and more grace through the power of the Holy Spirit to defy sin and to live an obedient life to who? To Jesus. Why do we live an obedient life to Jesus? Because we recognize Jesus as a greater authority than yourself. Did you get that? He's greater. So I submit to him. It says that reflects our faith and gratitude. Listen, there is something about staying in a place of gratitude for the grace of God. There is something about every single time you have a moment to go, Jesus, I am so Unbelievably grateful that your mercy was shed when you came as a human being and you came to earth and lived a sinless life and you went to the cross and you were nailed and crucified for me and then you rose again victoriously so that I could rise with you. God, I'm so grateful. There's something powerful about that, staying in that place. Therefore, I say, God opposes the proud but continually gives grace So what? The humble, humble, people that go, I need you. Listen, let me make this abundantly clear. Prideful people will always push the knowledge of God away. Prideful people will always take the word of God, the knowledge of God, the revelation of God and go, I don't need that, I don't want that. Why, because they're prideful. The enemy has tricked them to believe that they can do it on their own, that you can do it on your own. You don't need church, you don't need God. You don't need to be at church, (laughs) it's such a movement. You can deconstruct your faith, you can deconstruct the word of God, you can make it whatever you want. No, I'm sorry, you can't. I promise you, it'll only lead to death. That's pride. Point number three is this, right, you can come on up. Sin makes you a slave. So, sin tricks you number 1, and then sin it becomes your master, and eventually you become what? A slave. I'll show this to you. John chapter 8 verse 34. And I, listen, listen everybody, everybody breathe with me, okay? I know you're like, "Oh, this is heavy. This is this is deep." Okay, I get it. Everybody smile. It's okay. We'll get to the other side, I promise. There's another side to this, okay? It's gonna be really good and God's grace is gonna come in and it's gonna be real powerful, I promise, okay? We'll be okay. John chapter eight, verse 34. Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. You eventually become a slave. Harvard Medical, they just released an article about this a couple months ago their medical science department discovered that when you have sex with a person, that that person's DNA and the nutrients of their body lives in your body for seven years. And when I read this, the Holy Spirit said to me, this could either be a curse or a blessing. It could either be a curse or a blessing. See, anytime we live within God's parameters, it's always a blessing. See, we, we think that God has made up <laughs> a bunch of things to harm our lives. I thought that about sex growing up. I thought God's just trying to keep me away from something's good because all my friends tell me it's the greatest thing ever. Right? I thought God was just trying to keep me away from something good. No, God was just trying to protect me. God's plan is always to protect you, never to harm you. God's plan is always to bless you, never to harm you. His plan was for you to have one partner. See, (laughs) this is what I love. This is it. I love when the world proves God. Harvard proved God. Harvard said, this is what Harvard said, that. The DNA of the person and the nutrients of the person can either um, harm your immune system for seven years or it can either help your immune system. <laughs> Isn't that interesting? So Harvard is declaring what Jesus said about becoming a slave. He said, listen, when, when you do things outside of my way and my timing, it will be you'll become a slave to it because the DNA of that person, you don't know what's in that person's DNA. That could harm your DNA, it could harm your body, it could harm your immune system, for what? Seven years. <laughs> Galatians chapter five, verse one, it says this. For the freedom of Christ has set us free. S- stand firm, therefore. Do not submit again. to so what? The yoke of slavery. Uh, Pastor Adam, come here real quick. Will you grab that pole? Okay. <laughs> Come on, get real loud for Pastor Adam in the house today, okay. Um, how many of you know what a yoke is, okay? Real old term, okay? A yoke is this wooden contraption, okay? And it would pair two animals together, like two oxen, okay? And the idea was we will pair a strong older oxen with a younger, weaker oxen, and the younger, weaker oxen will learn from the older, stronger, wiser oxen. So they were paired together, meaning this. Here you go. When you're paired to somebody, Whatever's stronger is gonna lead you. That was the whole point of the ox, of the yoke. Of the now, you can be yoked to Jesus and to the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit goes, hey Adam, I really love you. And I got really, really, really great things for your future. But I need you not to go that way. I need you to go this way. I know it doesn't make sense right now, but I promise you, it'll lead you to victory. When you're yoked to Jesus, he'll take you. This is why Psalms 23 says, he's what? He's a good shepherd. That leads us, what? To victory. He's good. Now, when you're tricked, and sin has become your master, and now you're a slave to sin, and you're yoked to sin, sin goes, hey, get over here. Sin goes, I'm gonna swirl you around, I'm gonna confuse you, I'm gonna disorient you, I'm gonna make you go this way, I'm gonna make you go that way, I'm gonna take you this way, why? Because I'm in control. You're yoked to me. This is why Galatians says this, do not submit. Don't submit to the enemy. Don't submit to sin. Don't submit to your flesh. Don't submit to what you feel. Submit to the Lord. Don't be yoked, yoked with the enemy that wants to drag you away. Give it up for Pastor Adam, everybody. This is why every human on planet Earth needs a savior. This is why every single one of us in this room today needs a savior. Why? Because we are on a journey. Let me make this clear. When we get saved, when we submit to Jesus, when we say, Jesus, I choose you, I believe in you, and, and, and we are saved, it is now a journey, of a process of learning how to be free from sin. Now, sometimes the Lord is so good, he'll just come in and he'll just supernaturally heal something, and it's just the goodness of God. But I know for me, I've learned that a lot of times it is a journey and it's a process of dying to myself. It's a process of going, God, I resubmit to you. God, I resurrender to you. God, I re-surrender my heart. I know I've been following you for now 23 years, but Lord, once again, I surrender my heart. I surrender my thoughts. I surrender my ways, and I choose, and I pick you, Jesus, to be the Lord of my life. You're in a journey. We're all in a journey. Now, here's what I want to tell you. I did not go through all that today to overwhelm you, promise you, I'm about to show you. I didn't go over that to overwhelm you, but I did go over that because I need you to see two things. Number one is this, you cannot defeat your enemy unless you know your enemy. You have to know the enemy. You have to know how he works. You have to have the ability to go, okay, I was tricked at this point in my life, I was tricked, and then he became my master, and now I'm a slave to him. Now, here's here here's the good news today. You don't have to say a slave any longer. You don't have to be slave to sin. Jesus has purchased you, and I'm gonna show you this. Now, here's the second thing is this. If you say yesterday that I've been tricked, I have a sin master, and I've been enslaved, Let me make this abundantly clear today. You are at the right place. You're at the right place. Let me make this real clear. Pastor Jeff is at the right place today. I am not free of sin. I am not free of death sometimes. I'm at the right place, you're at the right place. Why? Because the church of Jesus Christ is not an elitist club where the perfect go. The church of Jesus Christ is a place that is called the hospital of the Lord. In Jesus Christ, our great physician comes as our doctor to save and to heal and renew and change our lives. And that's why we tell everybody, come with me to church. I'm gonna show you Jesus, the one who loves you and accepts you and knows you, but wants to heal you and wants to free you and wants to renew you. You have to come with me because you have to experience this grace that I have found. Now here's the good news. Look at your neighbor and say, get ready. Say, like, get ready, get ready. This is the good news. Romans 5, verse 12. When Adam sinned, sin entered the world. Adam's sin brought death and it separated everyone because everyone has sinned. Here's the good news. All of you are sinners. Everybody, look around the room, all all these people. They all do terrible, horrible things, okay? I promise you, okay? They're all horrible, we're all horrible, I'm horrible, okay? We're all sinners. Verse 15. But there's a great difference between Adam's sin and God's gracious gift. For sin, for the sin of one man, Adam brought death to many, but even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of what? Forgiveness! Oh, Jesus, through one man, Jesus Christ. And as a result of God's gift, it is very different than the result of one man's sin. For Adam's sin led to condemnation, but God's free gift leads us to us being made right with God, even though Here's my favorite part. Even though we're guilty of many sins, all of you are guilty. I'm guilty. We're all guilty. But because of the grace and the goodness of Jesus Christ and what he accomplished on Calvary, you are forgiven and set free of guilt and shame and condemnation. Come on, somebody. Come on. Verse 17. For the sin of one man, Adam, caused death to rule over many. But even greater is God's wonderful grace of his righteousness. For all who receive it, everybody who receives the gift of righteousness from Jesus, it says this, you will live in triumph over sin. Did you see that? You are called to be victorious in Jesus. You are called to overcome this world. This world was never designed to overcome you. You are called to reign and rule and to live above this world, amen, through the power and the grace of God. I wanna say this real clear today. Jesus can and will take the taste of sin out of your mouth if you allow him to. He will heal you. Pride, ego, anything, addiction, it does not matter. Nothing is too big for our God. And let me show you how he'll do this. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9. My grace, my grace, Jesus said, my grace is sufficient. You can feel it in the room right now, the grace of God. He says, it's sufficient. And my mercies are more than enough for you to overcome. (sighs) Always available. Regardless of the situation, the word says. So what does that mean? Even though you're caught in sin, even though you're trapped, you've been tricked, you got a master, you're a slave to sin, the Lord goes, I'm gonna give you an off-ramp. You don't have to stay on this road any longer. I can just feel God's grace so deeply in the room right now. I can feel his love so deeply in the room going, you don't have to be on that road any longer my power is being perfected in your weakness the Lord understands your weaknesses the Lord is not angry at your weaknesses he is not disappointed he is not angry with your weaknesses he just wants you to give your weaknesses to him So his grace can be enough. Would you stand this morning? Come on, raise your hands to heaven. I want you just to tell the Lord your weaknesses. I want you to tell the Lord where you've been tricked, where the enemy has trapped you. Just tell the Lord. He wants to hear your voice. He loves hearing you I just feel the Lord going I'll take the taste I'll take the taste away I'll fill you with my grace my glory if you allow me if you'll let it go Father, I thank you for your grace. I thank you for your grace. I thank you for the love that I feel in this room, but your love. The love of God that makes us whole, and makes us complete, the love of God. That brings us to repentance. It's the love of God. I thank you for the love of God right now. And I release grace to overcome in the power of Jesus Christ. If that's you, just say, I receive that. I receive that grace. I receive the power of the Holy Spirit to overcome. Come on, I want you to say this with me. Say, I am no longer, come on, say this with me. Say, I am no longer a slave to sin. I have been purchased by the blood of Jesus Christ, and I receive it today. I declare, not by my power, nor by my strength, but by God's power, that I am an overcomer in Jesus Christ. I overcome sin, I overcome death by the power of God. So I worship you, Jesus. I surrender to your way, to your plan. Lord, I release grace and strength and life and joy and peace in the Holy Spirit. Peace, 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 grace, grace, grace. The Lord says you will overcome through your surrender to me. The Lord says you will overcome. You'll walk through the fires and you won't be burned because you'll walk with me. The Lord says there's no addiction too strong. There's no pride, there's nothing, it's too great when you surrender to me, the Lord says. I am enough. Jesus said, I am enough, I am enough. Lord, we love you, we thank you for your word, we thank you for your truth, we thank you for your life and your victory, your hope and your joy. God, I release your grace upon your people. Holy Spirit, show up in their car, show up in their home, show up in 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 their job leading, guiding them, I ask. I bless them now. I pour out your grace and your blessing and your goodness upon them. We worship you. We praise you. In Jesus' mighty, mighty name, amen, amen, amen. Can you give it up for Jesus and his great word and his truth and life today?